Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs. And I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. All right, my buds, today is all about thyroid health. So you loved the kind of quick and dirty hormone episode that I did last week. And somebody asked, can you do the same thing for thyroid? There's going to be a lot of overlap because when I talked about five different strategies that you can use to get hormone balance last week, all of those apply to thyroid physiology as well. But today we're going to drill in even more specifically to thyroid. Now, levothyroxine is one of the most top prescribed drugs year after year after year. It's usually like the, the top three or four. Levothyroxine is synthetic T4, which is a thyroid hormone. And this is not about medication shaming. I mean, I'm glad that it exists for the people that need it. Of course, this is more about asking the question, why? Why is hypothyroid and thyroid dysfunction so commonplace that thyroid medication makes it to the top of the charts each and every year? And why is the conventional approach to like wait until thyroid physiology gets so bad that you require synthetic hormone replacement? Because there are a lot of ways to support your thyroid, to support your thyroid physiology before it gets to the point that the thyroid gland like stops doing its job. And that's what today is going to be all about. I get a little fired up when I talk about this because I see people suffering unnecessarily. Honestly, this is the main reason or one of the main reasons I created Your Hormone Revival for five years ago. Um, because of exactly this. If people are equipped with information about how to caretake their hormone health, their thyroid health, we don't have to just like wait and let people suffer while their thyroid gland essentially like deteriorates and stops doing its job. So today we're going to do like thyroid 101 in under an hour. <laughs> I keep saying that to like actually hold myself accountable because obviously I could talk about the the thyroid for a lot longer than an hour. And in fact, I do. We get into this in so much more detail in your hormone revival. The thyroid modules are jam packed. I went through all of them recently and they're just like so good. <laughs> they're so good. In fact, they're so comprehensive that I even give FNA students access to some of the modules because I think even practitioners can learn from what we teach. So your hormone revival. This is your absolute last chance, absolute last call to sign up. Like if you're listening to this episode, pause, go sign up thefunctionalnutritionist.com forward slash YHR or listen at the end or sign up at the end, but either way, get it done today. Do it today. Last 
call. And in the modules, I'm not just giving you information, but also tangible action steps to take to support your thyroid health. Plus we run labs. I'm going to talk at the end of this episode, I'm going to talk about specific labs that we like to see for thyroid assessment and why. And it goes way beyond just TSH and T4. It actually goes way beyond just testing thyroid markers. So stay tuned for that. Now, if you're here today to to learn about Hashimoto's, definitely keep listening because a lot of this stuff will without question apply to Hashimoto's, but I also want you to go back to the Understanding Autoimmunity series. It's a four-part series. There's so much information there. It's jam-packed. Honestly, I should charge for that series. That's how much information is there. But Hashimoto's is immune system dysfunction with an endocrine fallout. And the conventional treatment model is to wait until the endocrine gland, the thyroid gland, is affected and then remedy that. But really, we need to approach Hashimoto's from an immune standpoint. So everything I talk about today will apply to Hashimoto's, but we also want to go even deeper than that, especially if your Hashimoto's is unmanaged. Okay, so check out autoimmunity series. Now, First, let's talk about symptoms of hypothyroidism because they're pretty vast. Uh, We've got brain fog, poor memory, cognition issues. Fatigue is a huge hallmark of hypothyroidism. You just feel tired all the time. It can impact your mood. So you might have low mood, depression, anxiety. You can be losing hair. So losing hair on your head your body, the outer third of your eyebrows. That's a big one. If you're like, hey, where are my eyebrows going? Um, That's a pretty common thyroid um, symptom, hypothyroid symptom. Dry, brittle hair, dry, itchy skin, constipation, sluggish bowels. That could be thyroid chronic digestive uh, problems, feeling cold all of the time. You've got cold hands, cold feet, or just like hypersensitivity to cold weather. You're you're the one like bundled up in sweaters and like mittens and a hat when everybody else is like wearing a t-shirt and you're like, wait a second. Uh, Poor circulation, numbness in your hands and feet. So that's different than being cold in your hands and feet, but actually feeling numbness in your hands and feet, joint or muscle pain, high cholesterol can be a compensatory mechanism with hop, uh, hypothyroidism, weight gain, weight loss resistance. That's what, you know, when people are struggling to lose weight, they're like, maybe it's my thyroid, but you know, so weight gain or weight loss resistance by itself is not, you know, we can't always blame the thyroid for that. But if it's in combination with any of these other symptoms, now we've got something to think about. Um, and then facial swelling. So sometimes there's like a puffy face that comes with hypothyroidism. Um, I'm going to give you some stats just to, for you to like understand how commonplace this stuff is. Um, now these stats are from a few years ago, so the numbers might not be exact. They might be a little higher, but 27 million Americans have thyroid disease, 13 million of them, half of them are undiagnosed. So they've got symptoms like these chronic mystery health symptoms, but because we're not testing, we're not doing a full thyroid panel on everybody. We're just typically looking at TSH, maybe T4. Um, We're not catching all of the um, hypothyroid patients, which is frustrating because this this is the time before it gets to a diagnosable disease. This is the time when lifestyle diet interventions make a huge difference. Uh, 14 million Americans have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. That's the autoimmune. And eight out of 10 people with thyroid disease are women. I've got a theory about that. I will talk about it today. Why 
is this so common? You know, it's pretty darn common. And there's something to understand about the thyroid. It is very sensitive to any slight change in your body chemistry. Its job is to detect subtle shifts and then compensate for them. So these subtle shifts can be under eating. We'll, we'll get into more of the, drill into more of the, the exact specifics. It can be stress. It can be mental stress, emotional stress, physiological stress. Um, when these subtle shifts become chronic, this is when the thyroid can falter and dysfunction occurs. So what can depress thyroid function? If we have millions and millions of people running around with an underactive thyroid, we want to ask the question, why? And turns out a lot, a lot, lot, lot can impact it. Diet. So lack of nutrients, uh, toxin exposure, under eating, blood sugar dysregulation, non-thyroid hormones. So um, our progesterone levels, estrogen levels, DHEA levels, these can impact our thyroid. Uh, Stress, inflammation, gut health. So lots of different things. Um, I'm going to tuck into it all, but before we do that, I'm going to give you kind of like a quick and dirty overview of thyroid physiology. So like I said, I could talk a lot more in depth about this, but we'll keep it basic for today. We have the hypothalamus that's in the brain and the hypothalamus sends TRH to the pituitary gland. TRH stands for thyroid releasing hormone. So we have these two glands in the brain communicating with each other. The hypothalamus, kind of like command control, talks to the pituitary gland. The pituitary gland then releases TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. And so the classic lab marker, when you go to your doctors and you say, hey doc, test my thyroid, they are looking at TSH. So this is actually what the pituitary gland releases, not the actual thyroid. So the pituitary sends TSH to the thyroid gland, and then the thyroid secretes T4. Um, And it's called T4 because it has got four molecules of iodine. And then it releases a little bit of T3. Why is it called T3? Three molecules of iodine. So like about 90% or more of the hormone that the thyroid gland itself is releasing is T4 and little tiny bit of T3. So then from there, these hormones hitch a ride in the bloodstream on thyroid binding proteins. So there's different proteins riding around in the blood and they attach to the uh, the hormone itself. And when they're attached, they're referred to as bound. And then they get dropped off at the different cells to do their job. And once they're dropped off, they're considered free. So when we're testing, and we'll get into this later, but when we're looking at thyroid hormones, we like to see total production and then also free production. So we're looking at total T4 and free T4 total T3 and free T3, because that helps to paint a picture of what the hormones are actually doing in your body. Now, like I said, most of the hormone that the thyroid release is in the form of T4, but active thyroid hormone is T3. That's the stuff that's doing most of the job. T3 is the stuff that's entering the nucleus of the cell. It is directing the cell's activities. T3 affects 
every system in the body. It sets the metabolic rate of everything. So that's why T3 is kind of considered the active thyroid hormone. So we have to take T4 and convert it over into T3. Most of this conversion happens in the liver. Uh, it can hop, uh, That's why the liver is so important. We'll talk about that. Uh, about 20-ish percent of it gets converted by healthy gut bacteria. So this is where your gut health comes into play. It can happen in other cells too, but that's the liver is really the site of most of the conversion. And when we start to unpack what can depress thyroid function, this under-conversion, not converting T4 into T3, is very common. We see it often in your hormone revival and in practice. And the reason that we see this is because we're looking at both T4 and T3. If you're only looking at T4, if you're only looking at TSH, you're going to miss this under conversion pattern, which is really, really common. And then there's a lot of different things that can block that conversion. So we want to uncover what it is. And we don't have to necessarily do anything to the thyroid itself, but we're more, more so supporting that conversion of T4 into T3. So you could be making enough T4. If you're, if you're one of the lucky ones whose doctor actually looks at T4, so they look at TSH and T4, you might have plenty of T4. But if you're not converting it over into T3, that active thyroid hormone, you can absolutely have all of those symptoms or some of those symptoms of hypothyroidism. And so what are the things that block this conversion? A big one is excess cortisol to much cortisol that will block the conversion to T4 into T3. Stress and adrenal problems directly impact thyroid physiology. So it's why it's a big jump off of ours in your hormone revival. I have seen thyroid hormones rebound without doing anything and making any specific intervention on the thyroid itself. Other things that block this conversion, inflammation. So we always want to go inflammation hunting. Where's that inflammation coming from? Is it coming from the gut? Is it coming from food sensitivities? Is it coming from an inflammatory diet? Is it coming from high stress? Is it coming from blood sugar imbalance? Chronic infection and gut dysbiosis can it can impact uh, the conversion too. Like I said, gut bacteria help to convert T4 into T3. So sometimes uh, really supporting gut health can help the thyroid sluggish bile. So go back to my bile episodes. Shout out for this unsung hero, bile, star of the show. We need healthy bile to allow that conversion of T4 to T3 hap, uh, to happen. That's kind of like an under-discussed phenomenon. Low DHEA can also block conversion. So when we are uh, looking at overall hormones, for your hormone revival, we're looking at DHEA levels in combination with thyroid hormone levels to see, hmm, is this, is this part of the picture? There's also medications that can block the conversion, and it's just helpful for you to know in case you're on any of these beta blockers, uh, birth control pills, estrogen replacement, lithium, chemotherapy, um, all of these can block the conversion. I do want to shout out our show sponsors. They make this show possible. You know, it's awesome. All right, my athletes and my fitness freaks, are you getting enough electrolytes? You kind of need them. They're kind of a big deal. You lose a lot through sweat, but just don't be replacing them with any of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no fillers, no yuck. 
You need Element. It's not only delicious and wicked convenient, mixes in water super easily, but it also contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. You can get a free sample pack. That's eight single serve packets for free with any Element order when you go to drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal's only available through my unique link to thank you for listening to the show. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash F-U-N-K. You can try it risk-free. And... Let's also talk about amino acids because they make up half of your solid body mass. After water, they're the second most abundant substance in your entire body. Your body can make some amino acids, but essential amino acids have to be obtained through protein intake or supplementation like Keon Aminos. If you are deficient in amino acids, you're not going to be able to build new muscle, which is essential for health and longevity. You also have a tougher time holding onto the muscle that you already have. Keon Aminos helps with energy and better recovery. Too. It contains all nine essential amino acids and it's backed by over 20 years of clinical research. If you're ready to simplify your supplement routine and you want to save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one time purchases, go to getkeon.com forward slash funk. That's G E T K I O N.com slash F U N K to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. Okay, some other things that can lead to hypothyroidism or impaired thyroid physiology, even before it gets to a diagnosable disease state. Food and diet. So this is something that we have a lot of um, control over, Well, like what we're eating. So an inf- like I said, inflammation can really impact thyroid. Uh, it suppresses HPT axis. So that's the hypothalamus pituitary thyroid axis. It reduces thyroid hormone receptors. It lowers the conversion of T4 to T3, like I just discussed. So we want to make sure that our overall diet isn't contributing to our inflammatory load. And then I feel like a broken record when I say this because I say it so much, but under eating, caloric restriction slows down the thyroid. Um, We can see serum T3 concentrations drop. Uh, T4 production can go down. Um, Essentially what happens when we under eat food, our metabolism matches a decrease in the caloric drop, and it does this via the thyroid. So underactive thyroid, we want to make sure that we're eating enough just to make sure that we're not either intentionally or unintentionally restricting our calories to such an extent that it's telling the thyroid to slow everything down. Then we have thyroid nutrition. So there are critical nutrients and cofactors for thyroid activity. So this is making sure that thyroid hormone gets built up appropriately and that we have the enzymes, the the enzymatic cofactors to like actually do the things and also nutrients to support that conversion of T4 to T3. So some shining stars from a nutrition standpoint would be selenium, copper, magnesium, niacin, riboflavin, thiamine, so the B vitamins, including B6, a lot of B vitamins come into play here, zinc, vitamin A. So I know I discussed this last week, but we want to make sure that we're eating a nutrient-dense diet to support thyroid physiology. And then blood sugar. Blood sugar is huge. Blood sugar fluctuations can trigger thyroid issues. 
So we, if we've got big insulin surges, that can drive autoimmune tissue destruction of the thyroid gland in something like a Hashimoto's. We know that low blood sugar triggers cortisol release. That suppresses thyroid function. If we've got high cortisol levels, it, it definitely can suppress thyroid function. Pretty much as long as blood sugar regulation goes unchecked, any attempts that we make at supporting hypo thyroidism are going to be kind of like an uphill battle. So this is one of those foundational building blocks when it comes to overall hormone health, including thyroid health. Get your blood sugar balanced because the high blood sugar swings, the low blood sugar swings can block the success of any thyroid treatment. And then we got to talk about the liver. I know we discussed detoxification last week, but we're going to circle back around to that because there's a really strong link between your the health of your liver and the health of your thyroid. And we know that tox, uh, toxicity like pesticides, uh, heavy metals, mercury, lead, all of these can influence um, our thyroid health. So just like a take a, a second to shine a light on the, the liver. It's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty important guy. He does a heavy lift. He's got over like 500 known functions. It's the second largest organ we've got after the skin. So the liver filters the blood. It plays a big role in detoxification. It plays a very dynamic role with our blood sugar regulation. The liver stores glucose for energy, plays a role in our digestion. It produces bile for the digestion of fat. This is also really necessary for hormone synthesis, so building out our own hormones. We also know that bile is important for uh, healthy detoxification. Bile is important for that conversion of T4 into T3. The liver plays an important role in immune health. We make our cholesterol in the liver. Cholesterol is a steroid building block that produces hormones like cortisol, sex hormones, bile acids, bile, vitamin D. Cholesterol is like a, I have a whole episode on cholesterol. It's kind of unnecessarily villainized. And thyroid function. So liver, like I said, is where the vast majority of that T4 to T3 conversion happens. With a healthy liver, our bodies can utilize our own thyroid hormones and even thyroid medication, if you're taking that, much more efficiently. So tending to liver function, supporting overall liver detoxification or hepatic biotransformation is a vital part of a root cause approach to hormone health and thyroid physiology. You really, really have to support your liver when you're supporting all of these hormones. And then there are certain chemicals. The thyroid, like I said, is very sensitive to any shifts going on. And so it's very sensitive to um, industrial chemicals and toxicants. And these chemicals can have an impact. They can reduce our TSH. They can reduce our T4. So they have a direct impact on thyroid physiology. So we just want to make sure that we're doing everything in our power to reduce our exposures to um, environmental toxicants. And then we're also at the same time supporting our liver health. And again, talked about that last week. And what's interesting and uh, perhaps a bit under discussed is that our other hormones, so like our non-thyroid hormones can impact 
thyroid physiology. So again, it's like the thyroid gland itself may not be dysfunctional, but if we've got hormonal imbalance other places, this can create a deficit in thyroid hormone activity, which can lead to hypothyroid symptoms. So some examples, uh, low progesterone, that can lead to functionally low thyroid hormone. So when I say functionally low, it might not be lab low. If you go into your doctor's office and say, hey, test, test my thyroid, they might look at things and be like, it's totally fine. But if you get a functional medicine workup, um, we might see, we're looking at different markers and different levels. And we might say, hey, you know what? These are suboptimal. So now is the time to intervene on it before it gets really bad. Thyroid peroxidase or TPO, that is an enzyme that produces thyroid hormone and that is upregulated with progesterone. So we, if we have healthy levels of progesterone, I talked about this last week, um, this actually supports thyroid physiology. Estrogen can also impact thyroid. Like I said before, thyroid hormones hitch a ride through the bloodstream on proteins called thyroid binding globulin. Now, when estrogen levels are too high, the body makes too much of this thyroid binding globulin. And so thyroid binds up to this protein and there's not enough free hormones available to enter the cell. So on a lab, if you're getting these, um, getting like a functional lab drawn, you might see low T3 uptake, or you might see low free thyroid hormones, even though your TSH levels are normal. So that's just something to understand. We in the the appropriate treatment here, the appropriate strategy isn't to just go after the thyroid, thyroid, thyroid. It's actually to support estrogen levels and estrogen clearance. And then DHEA, I mentioned this earlier, DHEA is uh, one of our adrenal hormones it can be a, a stress hormone, and we need appropriate levels of DHEA to convert T4 into T3. Unfortunately, DHEA can drop off with chronic stress. Long-term stress can uh, cause DHEA to take a hit. I've talked about DHEA. I think there's two episodes on DHEA, so you can go back if you want to learn more. But if you make less active DHEA, you can make less active thyroid. Uh, hormone. And so you can see things like fatigue and weight gain and all of the hypothyroid symptoms. And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. If you'd like to conquer sleep with Ned's dream set, Functional Nutrition Podcast listeners get 15% off with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash funk or enter code funk at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. And I figured I would answer a question that's come in quite a bit about the Organifi gold powder. People are like, how do you use that? What's your favorite way to use that? And I personally like to mix it. It's, it is a gold powder. So it's like, it's like a golden milk powder. So it does have some, 
um, coconut milk powder in it. So technically you could mix it with hot water, but I like to uh, mix it with coconut milk or some non-dairy milk, like almond milk. I, I like the taste of it a little bit better and I serve it as a hot drink. And I love to do this around my period. So when I'm menstruating, because it has the turmeric, which helps to reduce inflammation. It has the lemon balm in it as well. I am a lemon balm fan and a uh, an advocate for lemon balm. It's one of my favorite herbs. I love it in tea form. I love it in tincture form. I love it in my Organifi gold powder and it's very soothing. It's a nerving kind of helps to calm everything down. So that is honestly my, one of my favorite ways to use the Organifi gold powder is as like a warming, soothing beverage at night. Um, we're just wrapping up a round of the carb compatibility project. And I know folks love to lean heavily on the Organifi powders as a sweet treat at night. So that is how I recommend it. You can check it out yourself heading to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Be sure to use code FUNK to save 20% off of your purchase. So those are some of the common things that we see impacting thyroid physiology in your hormone revival. Now, how do we support the thyroid, you know, if this is the case? You, you can't just treat the thyroid in isolation. Um, and I think you're starting to understand why, right? There's a lot of different things that influence thyroid physiology. We really have to address the entire body. Um, and I would even take this a step further and say we have to address all four bodies. So we've got the physical body, that's what I've been talking about, but we also have the mental body, the emotional body, and the energy body. The past few weeks I've been talking about brain down communication when it comes to hormone production. Our thoughts and our emotions absolutely influence the production of our hormones including thyroid hormones. So we don't want to overlook that. I'm going to come back to the thyroid stats for women. Women are up to 10 times more likely than men to have thyroid problems. One in eight women will develop a thyroid disorder during her lifetime. And like I said, of all the people that are diagnosed with thyroid issues, eight out of 10 of them are women. So we understand and we recognize that this is hitting women um, at a much higher rate. And we want to ask the question, why? That's, I'm a questioner, so it always comes back to why. But why? If this is what's going on, why is this going on? Now, we've got all the physiological reasons that I just unpacked, you know, things happening at the level of the, the physical body. Um, we could argue that women probably diet more um, than men. Um, we definitely have more fluctuations in the hormones like estrogen and progesterone that can influence the uh, the thyroid physiology, right? All of that is true. Uh, we've got really high rates of burnout. We may be expo exposed to more envi environmental toxins through skincare products, through makeup, through hair care, through all of the, you know, the elixirs that we're rubbing all over our bodies. And again, Thyroid is responding to everything. It's responding to everything that's happening outside of us, but it's also responding to everything that's happening inside of us. And in your hormone revival, I have an entire module on thyroid and like energy medicine. So our thyroid is associated with our fifth energy center, our fifth chakra. And so if this energy center is blocked, 
or I don't know, like dysfunctional, if it's not flowing appropriately, that we can see thyroid problems. I see this time and time and time and time and time again in your hormone revival and with my one-on-one clients. I was just working on this last week in one of my Alchemy with Erin containers. So this is something that I see a lot. We can almost consider thyroid issues as self-expression issues because the fifth energy center, the the throat chakra, really governs our self-expression. The basic rights are to speak and to be heard. This is where we express our individuality. We're not just saying what we think people want us to say. We're saying like our truth, feeling safe to express our truth, feeling like my voice is necessary here. My voice actually matters being able and willing to state our needs. This this is like almost antithetical to how many of us are uh, socialized as women. Um, And so it's not a huge surprise that we might feel kind of like choked off from this energy center, kind of closed down here. And we have a longstanding history of women not being heard, right? We don't believe women. You know, the the Me Too movement really showed us that. Um, this also shows up in modern healthcare, where we go to our our clinicians, we go to our our healthcare providers, and we say something's wrong here. Something's really wrong, and we're told, "No, nothing's wrong with you. You're fine." Nothing's wrong at all. And so we start to close down when we do advocate for ourselves and we get met with resistance, we can start to close down uh, this, this communication portal. And, you know, last week I was talking about women and setting boundaries. And this all comes into this same conversation. If we, if we derive our, our value with taking care of others, with putting others' needs and comfort levels above our own, then we're going to have a really hard time stating our own needs. Of course we will, right? Like that makes sense. That tracks. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know, once you enter the threshold into motherhood, it's like all of this, it's like gasoline on the fire. Because if you thought you didn't have needs before, now you really don't have needs. Like the, the highest compliment we can pay a mother in our culture is she's really selfless. It's almost like in order to be a good mother, you have to lose yourself. Being a good mother necessitates that you, that you lose yourself. If you've got no self, you've got no self-expression. And so all of this really ties into into thyroid physiology, um, in my estimation and based on my experience and what I've seen. I love, uh, Layla Delia said this, not speaking your truth can lead to physical illness. Please speak your truth. Speaking your truth is self-care and energy work. What you hold in can affect you by turning into adverse physical symptoms and energy blockages in the body. Let your truth flow. Don't block it from flowing, healing, and freeing you. I think that's just really, really, really beautiful. So all of these things need to be considered and addressed and unpacked when we're talking about thyroid health, okay? We don't want to wait till it gets to a point where it's like, you've got an issue here. The only way we can rectify this issue is by giving you synthetic hormone replacement. 
again, not that is, this is not a dig at that. We're lucky that it's there as a tool, but it shouldn't be the only tool that's made available to us. There's so many other tools at our disposal. So let's use them. Let's learn about them and let's use them. And like I said, if you want to dig deeper on this, your hormone revival, this is an invitation to come join us. And I also said that I would leave you with hormone labs. So to test your thyroid. You want to get a full picture. These are the ones that I like to see. TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, free T4, total T4, free T3, total T3. We also like to see reverse T3. We like to see T3 uptake. And then we also want to see thyroid antibodies. So TPO antibodies and TG antibodies or thyroglobulin antibodies. We like to see all of these together because we understand that the vast majority of hypothyroidism actually is autoimmune in nature. So we just need to rule out if that's part of your picture. In our um, Your Hormone Revival lab work, we take this a step further and we're looking at other markers that can influence thyroid physiology. So we look at ANA, we look at some other autoimmune markers, we look at vitamin D markers, we look at iron markers. Both of these are necessary for proper production and conversion of thyroid hormones. We also look at blood sugar markers. As I discussed, glucose management is huge for thyroid physiology overall, it creates an overall stress if it's not managed, uh, can contribute to the inflammation picture. We know that inflammation plays a role in cellular hypothyroidism. So we're also looking at inflammatory markers on top of that. And then we're looking at some liver enzymes because liver dysfunction can increase the conversion of, or excuse me, decrease the conversion of T4 to T3. So we're looking at a lot of these markers combined, also looking at our stress hormones, DHEA, cortisol. We're looking at our sex hormones, and we're combining all of this together to paint a fuller picture of what's going on with your thyroid physiology, because our goal is to be able to help you intervene on this stuff before it gets to like a major massive problem. So I hope that that helped. Uh, I think I managed to pull it off in under an hour. It was a lot of information. I talked really fast to get it done. And uh, again, last call for your hormone revival. We would absolutely love to have you for this last live round. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.